Good everyone, welcome back to another episode of Spark Your Fire. We are back on our Friday wrap this week uh, and um, talk everything and anything about Australian property. Isn't that exciting, John? I love Australian property, David. So it's very exciting. Yeah, it's very yeah. exciting. Lots of stuff happening too. So um, looking forward to our chat. Absolutely, mate. And I think, uh, but, uh, you know, talking about uh, property being very slow and kind of stupid to a, to a degree, you know, if you look at what's been happening this week across the shares, across the crypto, it's a bloodbath out there. Aren't you glad that we ought to hold property to a degree? Yeah, absolutely. Well, well put. It's a bit of an arc of safety uh, when when things go uh, things go bad because you mm. know you, it's a tangible asset. You you can see and touch it. So people like that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And uh, at least it's it's not going to disappear like ninety nine percent of the value within a month or something like that. <laughs> from what I from <laughs> yeah. what I saw, which is some bloodbath that's going out there, I was like, seriously. <laughs> yeah, what was that? L- Luna, Stella Luna, or something like it that. Was the, Luna, the, yeah. the, it's a stable coin, quote unquote, that dropped <laughs> by ninety nine percent overnight. Yeah. Yeah, wow, it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. But anyway, that's so cool. Back to property. I mean, we've got uh, we've got quite a lot of topics to cover today, so uh, we'll jump straight in. Um, but just to um, I guess to set the scene today, I know um, a lot of people talk about median prices in general, right? And uh, they always compare their property kind of their value against the median prices. They're using that as an indicator to say, you know, is my is my property value or purchase price kind of on par better or you know worse than the median value and you know to 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 break the ice a little bit i think we um we want to kind of you know break the myth to a, to a degree you know what what exactly is median price and is median price really relevant uh when investors want to consider using this as a metric um and john i think you know i'll i'll, I'll basically lead that in to you so you can give us a bit of a um a, a wrap around what you think median price is, whether you think median price is relevant and if it's relevant, how is it relevant or how should we interpret this data? Yep. Yep. No, it's a good, it's a good scene setter to start this conversation, I think, um, because we're going to go into some data later and it's, and we're going to be talking about median. So, Hmm. so the median price just means the, the middle price. And uh, that means, you know, you add up all the properties sold and whatever the middle, the price of the middle property is, uh, is the median price. It's not, so it's not the average price, it's the middle price. Um, and it's very, it is important. I mean, it's it's the data that we have, so we rely on it, but it has its shortcomings. And the big problem with median prices is that it's very reliant on how much volume there is. Like any statistical data point, like the more data there is, the more meaningful the data becomes. The problem with, the problem with um, median prices is not that it is not useful as a statistic, it's that it's not useful over short periods of time when we're talking about, uh, you know, a, a small amount of statistical volume. So Michael Yardney's got an article about this. Uh, and, and what he t- says is, generally speaking, medians are, are useful, but they are more useful over a one-year period. So when we talk about the April data or even the Q1 data, um, we are pulling from a very small sample size. and when we're talking to me about medians, we want a year's worth of data because we want that middle price to be the most meaningful. And the, the reason, so the, the, the problems with medians um, is that 
uh, there is always a big variation in quality between properties, particularly over short periods of time. So you, you, in the same suburb, you might have a, a property with water views and a property with uh, views of a train station, um, and that would skew the, the averages. Uh, and some suburbs have very diverse amount of uh, qual quality and variation. So that, that's, that's all I really wanted to convey on that. Uh, but um, what we're seeing at the moment will tie into, in, into mm. the shortcoming of medians. And, and I think uh, a lot of times, you know, people misinterpret the median price just at the headline level as well. It's important to note that there is a difference uh, in terms of how the median price is arrived for different type of dwellings, for example, houses versus townhouses versus villas versus apartments, right? Like, if you read the actual figure from CoreLogic in April, for example, you'll see that Sydney median price is 1.127. But what does that mean, right? Does that mean the houses median is at 1.127? Or does that mean units is kind of at that level? So if you dig deeper into the report, it will actually tell you the houses median price is actually 1.16 for Sydney and the units median price is 830. So that's how they kind of arrive at the middle point being the median price here. Being 1.127. So, you know, when you're talking about very specifically reading the, the, the reports of the median prices at the aggregated level, it doesn't make much sense to a degree. I mean, personally, to me, you need to kind of look into further to say, okay, well, if I'm talking about houses, this is what the median value is. And again, like what you're saying, it needs to be, uh, it, you know, like if you're just looking at one month, the, the amount of statistics is probably not enough for us to be able to derive anything meaningful out of that. So it's better off to look at from a, at least a one year or 12 months aggregate mm. in order to get to that. So, um, but yeah, look, um, let, me, let yes. me just give you a, a quick example. Um, yeah. in, during the pandemic in 2020, the lower North shore, which is one of the more expensive parts of Sydney had a median price of about 850,000. Mm. And that's not because prices plummeted. Um, it's because the only things that were being sold at that point in time were units. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great example. As a matter of fact, you know, just the, the, the volume itself would dictate what the median is. So it can fluctuate crazily from one month yeah. to another. <laughs> um, so yeah, so but I thought it's it's something that's uh, definitely worth uh, pointing out to our uh, listeners, especially uh, yeah, someone who's uh, quite new to property as well. Um, so that's a good segue into I guess talking about the April data that we have um, in, in in terms of core logic. Uh, data. Um, so going around the capital cities, uh, I think, um, you know, John, you shared this with me. The, the April data kind of tells us the story here is that the Sydney and Melbourne is kind of, you know, is kind of being stable, um, if not going back a little bit. We're talking about, you know, 0 0.2, 0 0.3, that kind of percentage for the whole month. Uh, Melbourne is steady, 0%. Uh, Brisbane and Adelaide is still quite strong, 1.7 for Brisbane and 1.9% for Adelaide. Um, Perth is at 1.1. Canberra still at 1.3. So Canberra is still still going pretty uh, pretty fast at the moment as well. But yeah, it's a like a, I think that's like what they say. It's a two tier market at the moment, right? You've got cities that's more affordable that investors are still basically buying. For example, the Brisbane, the Adelaide, the Perth. These kind of markets, they're still going quite strong right now. But in terms of Sydney and Melbourne, um, we're already starting to see a change uh, in that in that trend. So it's a two-tier uh, market in a sense. But uh, John, any any other insights that uh, you'd like to provide? 
Well, I just want to, to congratulate our Brisbane and Adelaide investors and, and a Canberra. The Canberra has been Canberra doing investors. really, really well for quite a long time now, actually. So, uh, mm. so well done to those people. I mean, look, um, uh, you know, I think I think there's a lot of conversations about how you know the market is is uh, down, particularly in Sydney and Melbourne. There's a lot of uh, doomsday um conversations the data is not really telling us that the data is saying it's kind of flat to down um and even if we you know to your point earlier about houses versus units uh houses are flat and units are down if we want to get really technical about the, about the sydney and melbourne markets um but uh, the only other thing i would point out is also uh, something that surprised me in a prediction i got wrong was that the regionals are really driving the results so if we look outside the capitals um so the combined capitals are up 0.3 of a percent uh, in the month of April, and and that is that is Brisbane, Adelaide, and um, and Canberra. But the combined regionals are up 1.4 percent. So that's that's a big that's a big amount. And so regionals are still doing about four times better than capital cities at the moment for the last quarter. Um, the the to, to illustrate that a little bit further the. Total return over the last uh, 12 months, including rents, is you've got regionals up nearly 30% and capital cities up about 17%. Uh, so the regional investors have done uh, really well. And my only other observation, I think, on the data is that Perth has been this really uh, kind of obscure um, enigma um why it hasn't been doing better in terms of the data the data seems to be catching up now so it, you know perth did over one percent and maybe it was maybe the data was correct and there was just a big lag but uh perth seems to be doing quite well and, and we know that what's happening with commodity prices and and oil prices and and uh perth to some degree is a, a beneficiary of that i think it's also important to note that uh, as part of the core logic explanation in terms of the combined um, regional markets why it's going so strong is because of the persistent low levels of property listings so in other words it's this it's the stock that's available um, in the regional areas which is still driving the prices right not many people want to sell um, in comparison to say for example the capital city like sydney and melbourne where there will be more people who's wanting to actually sell um, in that sense i mean that's mm. what i noted in that okay um very good. Now, I know, John, you mentioned, um, and, and that's probably a good, um, a good note in, into our next point as well. Um, you're hearing from agents that there is, sales agent that is, that uh, there's a big shortage of good stock at the moment that's kind of on the, on the market, isn't it? And um, can you tell us a bit more about this, uh, this, this flight to quality? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a look. Uh, warning to the listeners: it's a bit of a Sydney-centric perspective. But um, but what what I am seeing and what I'm hearing is that that there is um, there are a lot of buyers for good properties, and good properties are, are getting good prices, and bad properties are, are not selling. And it's this really fragmented fragmented market where average or median prices are, are not so meaningful at the moment. So um, so the agents that I'm speaking to and what I'm seeing is very busy open for inspections at obviously good quality properties mm. and at open for inspections where the, the property is obviously impaired for whatever reason, it's it's a ghost town. So there are clearly buyers, but there's not a buyer for everything. Um, agents are telling me that they're struggling to, they're not struggling to get stock, but they're struggling to get good stock. Uh, so we're, we're seeing that. 
And and I, I read an amusing um, analogy today. It was it was in again. I credit Michael Yardney for this. If you're listening, uh, an excellent uh, uh, an excellent analogy. He's he was describing the fragmentation of the market. And he was saying it's like sitting down with one hand in a bucket of ice water and another hand in a bucket of hot water and saying, on average, I'm comfortable. So <laughs> there is no, there's no <laughs> average. It's just, it's just, you know, completely fragmented and, and different. And that's, that's the market uh, we're seeing at the moment. And mm. I, look, I, I wonder if partly there's a bit of a, we're in a bit of a holding pattern in the lead up to an election as well. Yeah. I'm hearing that. I can't explain why that would be the case, but I know that a lot of uh, vendors are waiting for that. I think they're, they're looking at the past. I believe the political uncertainty is always, I don't think there's a there's a direct impact as such, but for some reason, whenever that we're close to election, it always seems to be, you know, putting a hold yeah. on the actual property market activities uh, to a degree. I think it's just that level of uncertainty and people don't like uncertainty in general. So they want to have more clarity before they take any action, whether that's selling, whether that's buying, you know, so therefore, we're looking at transactions down at the moment, right, in comparison to what we had previously. So number of transactions are down. Uh, there will be lower stock uh, available at the moment that's for sale as well um, on the market, um, is my understanding. And that's why you kind of you kind of pointed out, you know, there, there is, there is um, stock, but it's not good quality stocks are quite rare to find. People are still holding off, doesn't want to sell. So therefore, good quality stocks are, are very little. There's still demand um, as well, like you, like you mentioned, but the demand has tapered off a lot, um, isn't it? Just uh, in terms of people, didn't they, didn't they jokingly say last year it was a fear of missing out, but now it's fear of overpaying, basically, for hope. <laughs> and if I had to sort of describe a trend I'm seeing uh, as a buyer, it's, it's that uh, investors are coming to me, uh, fewer owner occupiers this year, so mm. more investors, and also that they are looking in sort of out a, a greater Sydney yep. uh, rather than, you know, some of the more affluent areas. Yeah, affordability, I think, is basically the key in terms of what, what we're looking at here, isn't it? Um, mm. And, you know, uh, I'm kind of seeing similar similar trends as well, you know, a lot less uh, owner occupier inquiries and a lot more investor inquiries uh, to a degree. And um, and that uh, that's all linked to because of the rent, you know, the rent that we're seeing at the moment, uh, which has been increasing around the capital cities uh, or across the nation, I should say, has been steadily going up, um, isn't it? And it's quite strong in mm. terms of the. Uh, if you look at the rental data, uh, John, if I if I get you to uh, share share with us the rental data that's on the core logic uh, part of things, I think that would give our listeners a bit of insight. Definitely, but I actually can I can I yeah. just rewind for two seconds because yeah. I think you raised something really good and we kind of uh, went past it we quickly. It, it? But yeah, like what 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 are you seeing? So your clients, um, are, you have a lot of interstate clients. Sure. You um, sure. what what are you what are you seeing? And what might have changed from last year in terms of lending? Oh, look, um, from a, from a lending perspective, I think uh, the owner occupiers are typically more. Uh, more prone to interest rate rises because their repayment would, would, would basically be impacted directly, right? So there's a lot of hesitation uh, for people who's wanting to get into the market right now, partly because affordability issues. So we're talking about Sydney and Melbourne. You know, we're already seeing a crazy growth that we, that we had. Um, so they're, they're, they're kind of just sit on the sideline side at the moment, even though they got pre-approval already, kind of wait for the right property to come and thinking about whether the, the um, whether there will be further reductions next month uh, in terms of the property prices. Okay, so that's there's not a lot of owner-occupier activities. However, from an investment 
side of things. So the investors at the moment, we know investors are always seeking value, right? Um, and there's a clear trend or shifting trend from Brisbane to Perth. I mean, this is just my personal view. It doesn't represent everyone. But, you know, the um, uh, my, my investors last year this time, it would be pretty much all Brisbane. But in the last 12 months, there's a clear trend shifting from buying in Brisbane over to Perth now where we're seeing both the rent and the capital growth are growing significantly uh, at the same time. So, you know, uh, you can you can still get a good gross rental yield of 5 to 6%, not too far away from Perth CBD. So that kind of shows how much value there is. Yeah, so um, I think a lot of, still most of my clients are investor activities um, as such and uh, a lot less owner-occupy activities. Yeah, interesting. Well, I'm, I'm hearing something similar that the people who this time last year would have been investing in Brisbane, mm. they're now talking about Perth. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So All right. cool. All right. Um, so rents. Yeah, we'll just, rents. we just touch on rents there, mate. Um, yeah. Can you uh, can you tell us a bit about uh, what the core logic rental data is telling us? Yes. Look, just super quick. So rents are really Rents are up really, really quickly, uh, and they. Th- this is the comp- compensating factor for Sydney and Melbourne investors, where where prices are sort of flat or coming down. Um, overall, rents were up two point seven percent over the last quarter, um, but the annual change in rents, let's in Sydney, let's say, was up nine percent. Mm. Um, in Melbourne, annual rents are up eight point four percent. Adelaide and Brisbane up between seven and eight percent and and um canberra up seven percent as well uh darwin up five percent so look look big changes in rent um big changes in rents uh i would say that even though that they've they're up about uh nine percent in sydney they were also up five percent last year as well so this is a cumulative uh increase in rents that's quite substantial now i i think anecdotally at least a lot of that increases in houses but we are seeing the rents go up in uh, units as well due to affordability, but th- this is this is you know we had th- we had a big meal last year. Re- prices went up a lot. The body's sort of digesting that big meal, and what what the market is doing is rebalancing rental yields. So it's the yield that rebalances. So prices are coming off gently. Um, rents are rapidly increasing, and we'll be ready for the next kind of upswing probably sooner than we think. Um, because yields will be much higher and you can, you know, afford repayments and so on. And that, that's just my personal view. Yeah, no, totally. And I think you know, you, you made the same point in terms of what CoreLogic has also uh, made a note of to say the rolling quarterly change in rents is now outpacing the rolling quarterly change in housing values across most capital cities, which is supporting a rise in gross rental yields. When we see a rise in gross rental yields, who does it attract? It attracts the investors back into the market, right? So that's in line with what we yeah. all we all seeing. The investor the investor activities are definitely continuous to increase. Uh, you know, the trend is increasing, uh, whereas the owner occupier commitments are decreasing to a degree. And in a sense, you know, the you and me as property investors, you know, will be happy will be happy that the rents go up because. You know, even if the interest rate does go up, and I know that's our kind of our next topic, which means the ongoing repayments going up, but to a degree, we're less impacted because the rent has also gone up and therefore it helps us cover that differences in terms of the ongoing mortgage increases, isn't it? Yeah, 
Yeah, look, it's just it's just a big weighing machine. So we <laughs> it, it just takes time and and the scales weigh up and one minute yield are down, next minute they're up and the, the market's adjusting constantly. So yeah. uh, and, and real estate's a, a very healthy thing to be in um, during most cycles. So yeah, totally safe for bed. All right. Well, um, you know, I'm sure people are getting really sick of listening about rate rises ever since it, uh, <laughs> it got announced by RBA last week, but uh, I think we still need to touch on it. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, um, so as everyone knows that the RBA has increased the cash rate a lot earlier than what they have originally promised. Um, I know Philip Lowe was saying we won't be raising it until 2024, uh, but when I look at the calendar, hey, it's still 2022. So I'm not, uh, I'm, 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 you know, it's, <laughs> I'm not dreaming yeah. or anything, but it has gone up. It has gone up. Um, but um, I, I guess, you know, we, we don't talk, um, we probably won't need to cover in depth economics of that. But um, the interest rate rises here is to cover, is to battle the inflation. Uh, that's currently outpacing, isn't it? Uh, and I'm sure you and Jazz will probably be able to cover that in more detail. Um, but uh, yeah, the whole idea is uh, we needed to put the rates up in order to battle inflation. Um, it also needs to be a balancing act at the moment um, in terms of um, how quickly they continue to rise. Um, we all know that from the latest RBA minutes that they are intending to, there might be a few more consecutive rises upcoming this year. How many? We don't know. But you know, it's at the moment the tone has change from say six months ago where they say no no we are not definitely not going to move until 2024 to uh, now saying yes there will be a few uh, this year in order to combat against all the ongoing inflations and until we're seeing an improvement in terms of inflation under control we are going to continue to be doing it yeah yeah, precisely. Look, it, it's a bit like the you know when your seven year old gets uh, a hold of the thermometer in your house and it's kind of yanking it up and then down and up and then down and and you, you just hope they just leave it alone for a little bit so it's not too cold or too hot. But um, yeah. uh, but but um, yes, rate rates are rising. Um, the markets in you know the US and the, like stocks and stuff they're having a bit of a tantrum at the moment. But I think that that, mm. that just needs to get out of their system and it will no doubt impact uh, real estate as well. Um, but uh, David, there was some there was some comments by the RBA in the core logic data about whether or not, like the impact of high rates, and whether or not there are sufficient buffers in the uh, Australian economy and buffers by lenders. What 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 um, do you make of of those comments? And can you flesh that out? Yeah. So um, look, they um, they did they they are aware, or RBA is fully aware that the uh, the high interest rate is going to cause repayment uh, potentially defaults and all that kind of things. However, they have noted that um, you know the, the that there is a buffer at the moment in terms of what people have saved in comparison to when they started the pandemic. Okay, so if I can quote, uh, the RBA has recently noted in their latest financial stability review, the median repayment buffer for owner occupiers with a variable mortgage rate has grown to twenty one months of scheduled repayments in February twenty twenty two up from 10 months at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. So what does that mean? That means if you lose your job tomorrow, on average, a household can still afford up to 21 months of ongoing mortgage repayments without starting to default. So that's pretty much one and a half years uh, in a sense. And that shows how much cash buffers that 
you know, people have saved or how much cash that's been printed, I should say, more accurately <laughs> throughout the pandemic. And um, yeah, so they are in a good position to be able to weather the storm uh, in one sense. And also uh, combine that with um, how banks currently assess uh, when doing lending is they actually add a 3% buffer to your actual rate that you get. So in other words, you know, if you're getting a mortgage variable rate of 2.5%, the banks actually assess you to see whether you can afford to make the repayment at 5.5% to make sure that you can qualify and you can still continue to make the repayment as interest rate rises. So these two main factors co combined together kind of give them a confidence to say, yes, we can put, we can dial up the variable, uh, the cash rate a little bit um, because you know, now we're now out of the emergency cycles and we can afford to, and we need to plan ahead for the future. That's my understanding. Yeah. And, and my own personal view is that the, the last couple of years with ultra low interest rates, and you mm. can even say the last decade, has been a great opportunity to pay off some debt. Um, and I, you know, I don't know if those those low interest rate days will be behind us, but I think there's always a case. It's not always this is not always the best thing for tax, I suppose, but I think there's always a case just in terms of managing your net worth and your equity to pay off some debt. Um, yeah. Because yeah, prices go down as well, and interest rates go up. Speaking of prices go down, John, I would like to get your opinion <laughs> on this. Um, yeah. So RBA did also note that if the cash rate goes up by 2%, that could lower the house prices by 15%. Is there always a direct correlation in terms of interest rate going up and house prices coming down? Uh, they're correlated, they're uh, but it's not, like, it's not like a 10-year treasury where it's algorithmically um, a lock. So there are periods of time where interest rates go up and, uh, house, and house prices, prices go up as well yeah. because it's, there are other factors like demographics and supply and those sorts of things. So no, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not a formula, but, but it, there is a correlation. Um, the average increase cycle is one and a half percent. And that usually happens over a little while. So when people are talking about 2%, that's a lot very mm. quickly. Mm. I personally don't think that will happen. Um, but, but, um, you've got to be prepared for the good times and the bad times. I, I actually, I'm not, as pessimistic as many people are about how far property prices could fall, but it's always possible. I know you're always a bull when you look through. <laughs> <laughs> glass half full, glass half full, right? <laughs> so that was good. I'll put you on the spot, but uh, yeah, to totally. I think um, yeah, that was a very appropriate answer um, because a lot of people, it's kind of like, especially at the moment, the media is screaming hard to say, you know, house prices to drop this much, you know, whether that's X, Y, whatever, and all the banks are forecasting is going to drop this much. Hey, like you gotta you gotta step back a little bit and say, well, we know that CBA has predicted a thirty percent drop, kind of the start of the COVID recovery, right? So, how accurate will that be this time? We don't know. But then again, next month they might update their their forecast again, and it might be a different figure. So, um, the the I guess the key point that we try to we try to say here is. Um, uh, don't be too concerned and don't be too manipulated by the media because they always like to mm. feed, you know, uh, negative news in order to attract eyeballs and, and be able to get clicks on the ads. That's their main role. Um, do what you can control. Um, save up your buffer uh, at the moment, which is what RBA essentially want us to do, right? Like they, they increase the interest rate by 0.25%. That's, that's, that's not very a material change. However, it's more of a mindset or psychology type of thing. It's, it's mm. basically giving that message to say, hey, people's, people's back, in the back, back in their mind, they will say, 
oh, okay, my repayment's now going to go up. I'm going to spend a bit less. So therefore, I'm going to allocate less to my discretionary spending and therefore lower the inflation a little bit, which is what essentially RBA is trying to target here. Um, their goal is not to actually increase the rate so that everyone goes broke. That's definitely not the idea, but you know, just to try to get the inflation controlled. So um, save up as much as you can during this period of time because, you know, yes, the rate, we know the rate will be rising. It's just a matter of actually when. So it's better off, like you said, John, pay off a lot of debt at the moment, keep your buffers available, keep the savings, uh, continue to grow that to weather the storm in the next few years. And, and also don't let the news dictate your goals and your timing. Like just, mm. just get on with whatever your objectives are because I guarantee you that the media will be wrong and the banks have a horrible forecasting record on, on property prices. So do, do what you had planned to do as long as you can afford to do it. Right. Um, and you're, you're allowed to change your mind, but don't change your mind based on macro. That That's that's um, up to you. Exactly. Stick to your goals. <laughs> All right. Um, look, I think that's pretty much it, John, uh, in terms of our, uh, our property wrap for this uh, for this month. Anything else you'd like to add? Uh, the only thing I'd add is uh, watch unit prices. I think unit prices, unit prices. Uh, with, with the immigration opening up again, I think that a lot of that capital will flow into mm. unit prices and unit rents. Um, and that, that's happening slower than I thought it would, but I think keep your eye on that. We're talking about Sydney unit prices here, are we? Yeah, Sydney, Melbourne. Yeah. Okay, Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah, I think the rents are already uh, growing rapidly at the moment, mm-hmm. right? So, okay, okay. Good, all right. Look, uh, so that's it. We'll call it a wrap. Um, thank you, listeners, for joining us again. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, we uh, this this month's uh, property update, we usually run it on the first week of the month so that when we got the fresh data, uh, but I know, um, you know, there was, uh, there was a really good interview that you guys discussed last week. So uh, we, uh, we had to delay this, but hopefully everyone's got a lot out of this. Uh, as always, if you got any feedback, um, send it through to us. Uh, you can do it by email or just uh, you know, contact us directly. Um, as always, stay safe. Uh, you know, don't over leverage. And we will see you guys again in next week's episode. David and John. <laughs>